Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you only have time for the plot and not time to explore the thematics of that, then you're just left feeling like, actually in another cake analogy, that we wanted an extra layer of icing or something. (laughs) Well, not even icing, maybe we got the icing. What actually we were wanting is like a really fulfilling cake. There's so much promise to this, and I almost feel like let's do a limited series now and kind of delve into the stuff that we're all craving. I don't think it was quite up with her standards. I did really, really (laughs) enjoy her taking out a bad guy with a baked bean can. (laughs) Yeah, that was brilliant. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Flixwater Podcast. Today I'm joined by Bertie. Hello. Linton. Hi. (laughs) And Helen. Hello. And we're going to be talking about the Netflix original, Lou. Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to Flix Watcher Podcast. Joining us today we have Bertie and Linton. Over to you please Linton to tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do please. Sure, I'm Linton Stephen. I am a classically trained professional bassoonist so I do that uh, most of the time. I also I'm also a broadcaster for BBC Radio 3 and I've got my own show slash podcast which is called Classical Fix. Uh, it's a show where I put together a mix of six classical pieces and send them to people who don't usually listen to them and then we just talk about what they like and what they didn't like. So uh, that's what I do. What kind of insights do you get from people who don't traditionally listen to classical music? Do you know what, Kobe? It's really interesting. The The nice thing about it is that we talk about the very human reaction to music mm. in general. So we it, there's nothing really academic about it. And I think it's that academic side that scares people about classical music sometimes. They, they come to it and they think that they need to know something about it in order to engage with it. Uh, and also, it, I think it's seen as a, a kind of highbrow art form, but at the end of the day, music's just music. So it's really nice to just dig in and... 
Um, it's nice when you get a, a surprising reaction from from a guest. Uh, it's also really nice when you get a guest who absolutely loves a piece and you can dig into the kind of the emotions and, and how it moves people. So, I mean, I feel really fortunate because I get to do what I love. I get to talk about something that I'm really passionate about and and have those magic moments and those connections with people when I've picked out a piece that they really love as well. I think there's, I mean, when I was, when I was growing up and my parents said, do you want to learn an instrument? I was like, oh man, I'm going to have to learn Mozart and Beethoven and all this nonsense. <laughs> but then... But then at the same time, I was I was loving to bits like John Williams scores from 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 Star Wars. Yeah, and it's the same. You know what I mean? I'm just like contextually, sometimes that's what you need sometimes to put them together. Well, it's um, just yeah, it's just having a way in, isn't it? That's all it is. It's all it is. It, the genre is. I was talking about it with a guest the other day. The genre is so broad. Um, classical music isn't just this one tiny little thing. There's so many things that constitute classical music, like electronic music, film scores, crossover, all that kind of thing. It all fits within the genre, and I can guarantee anybody. Uh, anybody could listen to classical music and find at least one piece that they'd love, not just like, but love. My favourite, uh, my favourite at the moment is Holt's, um, I'm, sure, I'm sure I've said his name completely wrong, the planet um, yeah. sequences. Yeah. Uh, and that's piece. pure because it features heavily in an episode of Bluey, um, which is my <laughs> kid's favourite TV show at the moment. <laughs> Bertie, who are you? <laughs> who am I? Um, I am a, hi, uh, I'm a writer-director um, I most often work with uh, another woman called Bert, and we, we've been working in film and TV for about 16 years now, Whoa. but kind of really, yeah, long time, but really kind of moving. I live in Los Angeles now, which is kind of, we were having this chat just before you came on where the industry is. And, um, and so we did our second film Troop Zero is how we were most known. And then we did episodes of The Great, which is an amazing Hulu show. We moved on to do um, episodes of Hawkeye mm-hmm. for Marvel, which was an incredible ex- experience and so much fun. And I realised how much I love shooting action. And um, recently, Our Flag Means Death for HBO, which is super fun yeah. with Taika and Reese and that whole crew of pirates, of gay pirates, which is amazing. And um, just finished up on a show with Brie Larson for Apple. Oh, wow. So we're, we're currently, I'm taking a break from the edit to be with you right now. Oh, I'm sorry to pull you away from it. Um, sorry, not sorry. It's all right. But we, myself, and I know Linton and Katie from from doing Capoeira back in the day. And it's great to see you both doing like fantastic stuff when we just met, like when we were clapping in white, in white clothes <laughs> in a... <laughs> The cold, drafty hallway. Doing cartwheels uh, like, cartwheel cartwheel up and down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Always do a cartwheel. Want to talk to you briefly, Bertie, about your, well, we'll, um, we'll get into your film stuff, um, I'm sure, but you talked about Troop Zero, which is, you directed Alison Janney. Did indeed. And this feature, and she is the main character. She is Lou in the film Lou, which is what you chose. Um, can you tell us before, before we go into the story about why you chose Lou, tell us about working with Alison, because she's, She's what I think she's an astonishing actor, um, and it's great to see how. I mean, I watched all of West Wing when the first pandemic happened, and um, because I, I'd never had time before, I was like, "Well, let's watch West Wing." And she is one of the standout characters in the whole TV show, right? She's, I can honestly say, on screen and off screen, she's an amazing artist, human being person to sit down and have a drink with to be honest she's <laughs> she's everything you want her to be um 
she's graceful and elegant and funny. Um, we loved working with her. And there was, you know, she was, this was our second film. I don't know how many films she'd done by Troop Zero, mm-hmm. but she's just so open to it and so open to the process and, and getting into the character. And I just remember that first, I think we've got a video of it somewhere. She, she walked out because Alison Janney, she's a beautiful looking woman. But she walked out as Miss Massey from the trailer with this wig. And she's like, oh, hi. And I was like, (laughs) oh, my God, you're just like a different person. And we just all cracked up and hugged her. And she's um, she's she's wonderful. What can I say? A a true artist, professional. I I gave you a short list of of films to choose from because I think obviously struggling for time. And you said, Lou, that's the one with Alison Janney in it. So I'm, is, I'm presuming that's part of the reason why you, you went for, for this. It totally is. And a little bit of a celebby story. We were kind of after Troop Zero, Bert and myself met Alison for martinis. And we we're like, so what, what next? Like you've done everything. And she goes, I really, she's, she, she was, um, I'm going to say figure skater or gymnast. I think she's a figure, like figure skater. skater. But that, Yes, exactly. And that was her yeah. connection with I, Tonya, apart from just being brilliant in it as well. Um, and I've seen her do the most incredible physical stuff. But she said, I really want to do action. And I really want to change people's concepts of what women in their 50s or 60s can do physically. Um, and we were like, oh, racking our brains. So anyway, haven't seen or spoken to her for a long time. And so when that was on the list and then I saw that it had action in it. I was like, she would have did it and I need to see it. <laughs> so that's why that one stood out. I mean, also talking about people you've directed and uh, female action, Viola Davis was in The Woman King and that's a, that's a pretty meaty film, uh, also in Troop Zero. But let's let's get to the synopsis of, uh, sorry, of, um, of Lou and you have 60 seconds to give us the breakdown starting from now. Oh my gosh, that's so much <laughs> pressure. Um, so where does it start? There's this uh, mother, young mum, single mum, Hannah, and her daughter, young daughter, V, and they, they're living on this island, the Orcas Islands, I think it's called, in the Pacific Northwest, which is this kind of remote, rugged, very foresty, small community. But their landlord is this grumpy, reclusive, older woman who's played by Alison Janney. And you see from the moment go she's very capable and independent but but cold and doesn't talk to them or she's not friendly and then there's this storm coming and in the height of this storm a man breaks into Hannah's house and kidnaps V and we find out that this guy is V's father who's ex Red Beret gone AWOL from the military now wanted and he happens to be a sociopathic killer and so now he's on the loose and he's kind of kidnapped the daughter Damn it. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. That's we'll obviously get into, we'll get into the synopsis and we can give spoilers um, in this as well. But let's go to Linton. Had you heard of Lou before that? And, and what, what were your initial thoughts of it? I hadn't heard of Lou before. Um, and uh, I was really pleased to see Alison Jenny in there. Um, I, I don't know her extensively, but actually it's really nice to hear you talk about a Bertie because it's always nice to... You see and 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 watch actors and you know and I love I loved her in West Wing uh, and I Tonya as well 
And it's nice to hear that off stage that they they are equally as talented and as warm and as nice. You know, that's a really nice thing um, to hear that they're a well-rounded person because you hear so many horror stories of actors and you work and I've worked with a few people myself who just aren't necessarily quite like how you envisage them uh, once you've kind of got to know them on screen. Um, so I was really looking forward to it. My initial, my biggest takeaway with this film was that it, it didn't work as a film for me. What I felt like was it needed to be like a four-part BBC drama. I thought this... So you wanted like, a miniseries? Well, I just thought like all the ingredients were there, but for it to be a, a one, like a, 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 a feature-length film, I would rather have had like four parts where, mm-hmm. you know, each bit is left with a bit of a cliffhanger. Um, and also you get just a little bit more time to for prelude to this story and ca- and more depth to the character. That's not to say that I don't think anybody in the film played the character without depth. I just think, didn't think there was enough time to explore this relationship between the, the um, is it uh, Hannah, the, the mother and the, and the father? And then, mm-hmm. you know, that what quite why um, uh, Alison Janney's Lou and her, her, her son, what happened with their... I mean, we, we get that story and it's very obvious why their relationship fell apart, but how that kind of... It, it, you get the beginning and the very end of that story. And I don't know, I just I just would have loved to have seen this be broken down. Do you know what? I, I likened it to... <laughs> if you were baking a birthday cake and imagine you, you baked it with, like, um, uh, brownie mix. Like, on its own in little chunks, it's amazing. But to eat that much in one go is too much, is too rich. And that's why I felt like this story is too rich to be one, two and a half hour chunk. It needs breaking down uh, into like so four it's a, it's a tray bake that you try to eat it's all a, in one go. Exactly, than... that's it, that's it, yeah. <laughs> uh, Helen, what were your thoughts on Lou? Um, I mean, I was just going to say, I, I, I love a cake comparison um, anytime. So that, that, that was great. Um, I, I, I hadn't heard of this. came out this year. Um, typical yeah, a few Netflix, weeks ago. Netflix star, just like dump them on there with no promo. Um, I mean, big fan of uh, Alice and Jenny. I think I probably saw her first maybe in the Ice Storm was the first film I remember seeing. And oh, yeah. she's just got just like a wonderful energy. Um, so going into it, it was like exciting to see how she could kick ass in a year that seems to be a good year for, for older women kicking ass as well um, with the Woman King, as we mentioned. I feel as though maybe the material she had doesn't quite match up to her usual standards a bit. So the film itself, I'm probably sort of aligning a little bit there with you, Linton, in that. I don't think it was quite up with her standards. There was lots of bits that I did like, but some of the some of the story did feel a little bit a little bit half baked, particularly the end. <laughs> Go back to the, particularly the, the appreciate you coming back to the kitchen. The the the, the mother. I don't think I really quite understood her mother-son relationship and what was really going on there, and it felt mm. like it got a bit rushed at the end. And then he just got shot by the CEO. What CIA with absolutely no warning. Which was a bit like, oh, so could they? That that was a bit wild. But I did really, really enjoy uh, her taking out a bad guy with a baked bean can. <laughs> yeah, that was brilliant. It didn't hold any punches. This film, did it? No. There yeah. was some. There was some horrible. There were. Def- some, I mean, I, I thought that was you know, great quality. Um, 
weapon ship. <laughs> why not? Why not make a slicing Inspiring. implement? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's made me look at my beans in a different way. <laughs> I go near them. I was. I think I'm. I, I'm agree with you guys. I think there, there was some kind of soapy nature to the. Hey, mom! In the in the cave, I was like, oh, really? what is this? What? Oh. <laughs> Where's this come from? And then you do kind of see that there were some kind of trails laid there slightly, but then it was like, okay, I see where you're going. And I can see, I think if there was a bit more depth to it, then that spoiler um, would have perhaps been less jarring. But I loved Alice and Johnny in this. There's that scene where she goes into the huts, it's tipping it down in rain, and she looks like a frail, frail old woman. And of course those guys are going to take her in. And then suddenly she's not a frail old woman. She's throwing like hot soup or whatever, boiling stuff into the guy's face and, and like cutting cutting a neck out using a, a tin can, a, you know, a tin can. So I love those kind of those moments and switches. And I think that's, it's great. And I do like this kind of recent um, state of films like Nobody and, you know, John Wick to a, a different extent where you've got the ex-spy CIA operative bodyguard who's retired and come back for reasons um and i think i will enjoy that kind of subgenre for a long time to go <laughs> it's, it's endlessly kind of entertaining but yeah what, what are your thoughts on the action scenes but compared to ones you'd directed yourself not necessarily directed yourself or just the film in general yes i i'm kind of i love your concept of like making this into a mini series or a limited series because it did feel like there wasn't enough time to explore. So what kind of, because this has the elements of that kind of cape feariness or dead, you know, like this sociopath who's mm. toying with people. And, 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 and the premise of this is so good, isn't it? Because we've got this older woman, which in a kick-ass role, who we think, okay, this, and now it's her son that she's up against. And so like, when you think about that as a concept, and you think about the final scene, which is mother versus son, it's like, that's unknown territory for yeah. Hollywood. And so it's almost like the promise of the film is so great. And, and I was like, what, what elevates something from just like, I enjoyed watching it. And I was, you know, wh whenever I was kind of like, mm, drawn <laughs> out of it slightly, Alison just kept pulling me back into it, maybe because I love her or yeah. maybe because she's just amazing. But she does, she has the ability to, captivate us when things kind of thinned out a little bit but I think we'll elevate something to like a classic or something that lasts beyond the 90 minutes two hours that we're watching it is thematics is when the theme of motherhood or kind of like not being a great mother and what that means and like this is like the ends of like what being the worst mother in the world could do to a human being turn him into a sociopathic killer who wants to kill his whole family when you only have time for the plot and not time to explore the thematics of that mm -hmm. then you're just left feeling like actually in another cake analogy that we wanted an extra layer of icing <laughs> or something well not even icing maybe we got the icing what actually we were wanting is like a really fulfilling cake underneath that icing can I can I ask you a question, Bertie? Like when you when yeah. you watch a film as a director, do you ever sit there and think, mm, I, I might have made this choice, or I might have done that, or can you can you watch it com completely like objectively? Honestly, when I'm thinking those things, I know that I'm. It's not a hundred percent drawn me in. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So in my favorite movies, I will just watch them as a viewer. Call me by your name, which I don't reference in this particular podcast but maybe in another one <laughs> is something where 
I mean, actually, no, that's not, that's a lot. Because sometimes when someone's, when a director's doing something brilliantly, you're making mental notes of that was brilliant, that was brilliant, that was brilliant. And then when you're not completely immersed, there's the opposite end, which is, I actually find it harder to figure out what, especially with something like Lou, which, and I don't want to badmouth this because I really did enjoy it. And I was in for like, I'm busy at the moment and it engulfed me, but there wasn't like that extra layer of something or depth of something. So by the end of it, then I had to sit down and go, why wasn't it wholly successful? Mm. And kind of think about it in that way. So I'm, I don't think I'm ever fully the, the kind of viewer I was before I started making film. But I also completely let go of that side of me when I'm fully immersed in something. What was the, what was the film Helen we had re- on recently that uh, Ryan Gosling and um, was the most expensive Netflix film? Oh, The Grey Man. The Grey oh yeah, The Grey Man. Man. So that and that kind of ended up in in, in a similar way to this, um, where there's a head to head against the two adversaries. Um, and I prefer the ending to Lou, actually, how it ended, how it kind of ended versus the Grey Man, because Grey Man was, uh, hey, by the way, we've got an episode on that. Um, but the Grey Man, kind of, the ending kind of came out of left field and was like, eh. um, Similarly, it's, I mean, the CIA came out here and they were kind of mooted as going to take one end or another of the people out. But I think I, I like the way that was a face-off. I like, like I say, Bertie, a mother and son fight. I've never seen the like, I've never even considered the like before. So that was really quite interesting. And there were... They were equals. Um, I don't know if anyone's. I don't know if either of them were holding back, but it was. It was an interesting fight, to be completely honest. It was, and you just wanted a bit more, like that moment where she says to him, "I'm sorry." Like there was the hug, and I'm sorry, and you just. It want. I wanted it to be earned a bit more, or I wanted to explore what that meant a bit more. I, that whole him him being revealed as her son was just so. It was so quickly done, and and mm. I just thought like. Like in my head, if this was an episode, there's a whole build up to that. What is this weird relationship? Why do they know each other? What is going on? That could have been built up so much more and then explored. And like you say, like th- there are so many amazing things about this film, like an older woman taking the lead, an action lead role. I was like, yes, this is this is what we need. This is what we need to see. You know, this is something that needs to be represented. And and that scene where she's kicking ass was absolutely brilliant. Um, but then I was just like, but you've, you've given me, you've given me all the, all the payoff without the build up. There's not much tension in the script. I know. I thought some of it was a little bit predictable and the reveal was a bit like, oh, so that's that then. And it, it was like, I feel like it should be a bigger moment than this, but it's not. And it just kind of like, oh, well, and then it's like, oh, and he's the father. And so that makes, oh, yeah. That makes sense why she's writing a letter. Isn't that all lovely and sweet and, and, and wonderful? So, and, yeah, and Hannah as well. The character of Hannah was very nonchalant about all these big reveals that she was She was like, my mm. daughter's been stolen. Let's go and get her. Oh, you're my daughter's grandmother. Great. Like, I, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry if I just found, like, if my, if my daughter had just been kidnapped, I would be, like, going ape. I'd have, like, a, a whole episodic breakdown before I even think about going to find them. Like, it was just like, oh, he's just taken her. Come on, let's go get her. Come on, jump in the car. There was more more kind of emotion about finding the blister. It was like, that was more of a kind of like sit down, deep dive into kind of like pain and feeling than 
anything else that had happened. What did you think of Lou's decision to protect? Was, was she protecting her granddaughter or was she just, you know, what kind of make of that relationship? Because um, I found it quite an interesting one. It added a, a bit of a layer to the story. Um, exactly. And it was, again, you wanted to explore that more, didn't you? Because hmm. on the one hand, she's being a selfless grandma who's hiding that she's a grandma, but she really does care for this child. But kind of in a realistic way, she's also this bitter and twisted woman with a past who almost runs her granddaughter over in the first, you know, five minutes and doesn't seem to be, you know, upset by that. Just about it, yeah. No, no. she nearly died. And, but I, that's an interesting dichotomy. And I don't feel like it was fully resolved of what, what side. And again, Shades of Grey in a character, brilliant. But when you just kind of breeze over those shades of grey rather than really diving deeply into them, because I think it's really interesting to explore, you know, Hannah, who is such a brilliant mother for having gotten out of a toxic, abusive relationship and bringing mm. her daughter up well, versus Alison Janney's character, who had a child in order to not blow her cover when she was working undercover for the CIA. Like, this is really potent stuff. And whether it's just that, that, like, stuff was left on the edit room floor or whether it was just that the script wasn't long enough or whether it should have been a series, it, it, there's so much promise to this. And I almost mm. feel like let's do, a, let's do a lot. Yeah, let's do a limited series now and kind of delve into the stuff that we're all craving. What's so interesting is that we've been able to have this whole discussion without talking about that very opening scene which reveals so much about her character. And yet you can talk about this whole story without even acknowledging. And that says something that, that kind of says something about not getting enough prelude to this story. How did she end up? Uh, I know we can give spoilers, but um, I won't say anything, but how did it's, it's right at the beginning of the film. It's the first scene you see. How did she end up at this point? You know, and and we can talk about this whole film. And that was that was actually a really major plot point about this film, wasn't it? You know, and the first thing you see, and yet we can talk about this whole film without even acknowledging. Even diving into yeah. that. What are your guys' thoughts on this kind of subgenre of um retired hit person um comes comes out for one last job for not for not for money, but for emotion, for for reasons that are beyond beyond financial gain. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> what have we got? We've got Man, Man on Fire. Am I saying the title of that? Yeah, one? Man on Fire. The uh, Denzel Washington one. Yeah. What else have we got in that show? So, yeah, Nobody is a recent one with um, Bob Odenkirk. Um, unassuming. I'm throwing uh, John Wick into that as well for, for um, yeah. that kind of style as well. Does you and never really hear count sort of count? Yeah, yeah, totally. I would I say mean, so. I kind, I kind of feel that if you've killed someone more than once, and you you wanted <laughs> you've, to you've do it again, you've killed them life and you kill them again. <laughs> uh, you know, and you kind of like killed the third one. You were like, hey, and get the hang of this. Um, like, when do you stop? I mean, it's. I, I don't know what goes on inside of a mind of someone who is an expert in killing someone, but I guess there must be something in the brain that makes them want to do it again. I don't know. Or it's like they become hardwired for it. I'm I'm not really sure. But um, yeah, I mean, 
her her son son was obviously like maybe it's hereditary because he was like game for it as as well so i don't know it's um something that also was not quite explored in this film i feel but um totally because i i feel like the insinuation was that he got his um sociopathy from his father that was the insinuation but then there's also this thing that like your mum just had you in order to survive and then mm. kind of left you so that's traumatic and can definitely inspire some kind of deep narcissistic traits in someone because there was nothing about the father was there unless i missed that like not we didn't... really anything at all yeah we saw that we saw kind of the little flashes of like mm. him being pulled away or... like dream sequences yeah yeah is there anything else I want to say before we head uh, to the scores, guys? I, d- I did have a question for Bertie that um, I noted that this um, is a female director. Is it Anna Foester? I think it is. Foester, and, yeah. And I think it's quite, asking maybe from your experience, whether it is maybe more difficult for women to get action films made or whether you kind of see female names attached, whether there's any sort of like, oh, women can't do action kind of attitudes or whether you find it different. Well, I think we should end on a really positive note for this film because the fact that this is, you know, it's graphically shot. The action sequences are hard hitting. It doesn't feel whimsical or overly poetical or anything that that often female directors are associated with. I just celebrate that there's women telling these kind of stories now, regardless of it being a female lead and a female, an older female lead. I, I agree. I think it okay. is. I think it is a triumph to see a female, an older female lead in this genre, and it not be a thing. Like they're not there yeah. going, "We've got an older female lead." They're just like, "This is the film." It's Alison Janney, and we're like, "Okay, yeah, sure." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like if she's gonna be like, if she's gonna be a, a, a kick-ass ex-retired uh, CIA, she's gonna be a a really good kick-ass ex-retired CIA because I love her, you know. So. Yeah, I think it's it's a it is a it's a triumph for that without having to shout about it, and that puts it firmly into into the genre and deserve it of that place in the genre as well. It's not like somebody's tried but they didn't quite make it, despite what you know what we talked about the film overall. I mean, she's definitely put Lou as a you know one of these characters that you must remember in this genre. And there was uh, was uh, a final shot which suggested there could be uh, a follow-up to this. Maybe your TV series. <laughs> Maybe, exactly. This is Lou the prequel, and now it goes on to a limited series. Well, guys, um, I think we should head to the scores. Hello, I'm Kate Lever, host of Who's a Good Dog? The podcast for anyone who's ever loved a dog. We're one of the other podcasts in the Stripped Media family. Each episode, I ask a brilliant person to introduce me to their dog and tell me how having a dog has changed their life. Listen to Who's a Good Dog wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Flix Watcher scores. They are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, please, Bertie, with your recommendability. I'm going to say 3.5. Yeah, seems fair. Any, any particular reason for that? Why? What would have made it be higher or lower? Or you could just leave it at that. Do you know what? I'm going to go with four. It's now got to be four because it's Alice and Jenny. So you just pushed <laughs> me up to four. 
Linton. I'm going to say four for the simple reason that it's it's not a really long film, and whilst we've kind of we've critiqued it, I watched it with a critique mind. Um, but if I was to stick that on on a Friday night, I think I'd still really enjoy it. Like I'd have enjoyed watching it. Uh, it, it's not like I've sat there and watched like two hours of film and thought, oh my God, there's two hours, I'm not going to get back. It was an enjoyable two hours. Uh, I'm going to go a bit lower. So I'm going to give it a solid three. I think the the audience is there. If you're a fan of the, the films that we've already mentioned, that you should definitely give it a go. But I don't think it's... I don't think there's enough of a story to kind of, you know, go beyond that and sort of reach out to a new audience. So a must, obviously, for if you're a fan of her work um, and that kind of action genre. But it, it it just feels like a solid three for me. Um, yeah, I'm going to go for four as well, because I think it's easy to recommend. It's easy to say, hey, should I watch Lou? Like, yeah, go and watch it. It's, it's, it's fun. Um we're being, I think we're not nitpicky, but we're picking things apart because we, we are, we have got that kind of critical eye on it. But I think if you were to say to the random person in the street, go and watch Lou, they just sit down and, and, and deal with it. And uh, that's great. Um, repeat viewing score, Bertie. Then I'm going to give that a 2.5. Don't feel the need to watch it again, but enjoy the watch. Linton. Yeah, I'm going to give it a two. Uh, Say, so don't feel the need to watch it again, but it was a, it was a decent watch on a, on a first try. I think had it been something more like Shutter Island, where the more you watch it, the more that's revealed, the more of these little mm. nuances, I'd be like, yeah, go for it. But it, that what you see was what you got with that film the first time. Helen? Yeah, I'm going to join you in a, a two as well. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm like unlikely to watch it, but like if anyone was like, do you want to watch it with me? And I didn't have anything else lined up, I'd say all right. But yeah, I'm not in a rush to, to watch it again. Yeah, let's go for the two party. I'll just go for two point one, give a slight edge. Um <laughs> Again, if my wife said she don't I don't watch with her and she said do you want to watch Lou? I was like, Yeah, let's let's watch Lou, why not? Uh, I'll tell her it's a bit grim in places. She might be squeamish in places, but apart from that. There's also a really cute dog, so you could like counterbalance it with like cool dog. cool dog. Jack's, Jack's a dog, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Gruesome deaths, cute dog. Small screen score, Bertie. There are some beautiful big wide shots and drone shots and helicopter shots of Orcas Island, which is it's beautiful, stunning scenery and like really elevated the scope of it. So I'm going to, I would have said for the story, I'd say two, I got everything out, but actually I'm going to nudge it up for a three because it would have been beautiful to watch those images, the big images on um, on a big screen. Linton. Uh, everything just Bertie's just said, I agree with entirely. Solid three. Helen. Yes, I I would wouldn't have gone to see this one at the cinema. It wouldn't have like sparked my interest. Um, I I think it's fine on Netflix on on TV. Um, turn the volume up a little bit louder and get that full on action sounds in 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 going in the house. So I'm going to give it a five for small screen. I think this is great for small screen. I'm going to give it lower than Helena because there were some. Obviously, it wasn't as uh, maybe cinematically shot as Reverend, for example, but there were some definite scenes where they're going through this, the forest and it looked grim. It looked like oh, the worst place to be in the world and the rain coming down. I think it would have made, been a bit more enveloping, perhaps, had that been in the cinema. Uh, so 4.1. Engagement score, Bertie. How engaged were you throughout the film? Do you know I was engaged? I was engaged. I am going to go, I'm going to go four again. 
Linton. Yeah, a solid four. And I say that because there was one or two bits where I missed it and I had to rewind. And if I wasn't engaged, I wouldn't have bothered to rewind. I would have just let the film play on. <laughs> uh, Helen. So I think this has like, the, the first hour is like super, super solid in terms of um, like action and things are happening and there's kicking ass and there's obstacles to, to come across. And then at one point I was like, how can there be 30 minutes left of this? And I felt that it it dragged a little bit there for me and I got a little bit like, there was one point where there was three people just like limping around. It was a bit like, <laughs> they're all just limping. A limping foot chase, wasn't it? I yeah. thought that was quite interesting. And it, was quite, it was quite funny. And I was just like, they're just all limping. Like, there's no way they can be chasing after each other. They're all, they're all running at the same speeds. Um, so I think just about manages its, its runtime to keep me entertained. But yeah, the first hour is, is, is much, much um, pacier. So 3.5. Um. Yeah, I'll go for three. I'm going to go between both you guys. Three point seven five. I um, it did wane a bit. One thing that I was just thinking about that slightly annoyed me was the bit with the bomb in the lighthouse, and she's like, "I can't, I can't dismantle it, but I can change the frequency." And she's then he was about to press the button, and just then she changed the frequency. I was like, "I'm not sure about that." <laughs> so there were things like that which were like, ah. Um, but it was, uh, you know, it did keep me entertained all the way through. So 3.75, that gives us an overall score of 3.37188, which is fair, which is fair. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> You're laughing so, so, the specificity of the, uh, the scoring. Yeah. It's just a spreadsheet that we just, you know, the algorithm does what it does. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's about fair. Uh, Bertie and Linton, can we sign off by telling everyone where we can find you online? And we'll say goodbye to the listeners. Online, uh, our directing Instagram is at Bert Bertie Directors. That's pretty much it. Remind people of the of TV shows and films where they can see your work as well. Oh, right, that. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, season one of The Great, Troop Zero is on Amazon Prime. Yeah, Amazon Prime, That's yeah. fun for all the family. Hold on, you just um, mentioned another streaming service. How dare you? Carry on. Oh, gosh. Am I not allowed? <laughs> no, no, of course you can. I haven't sworn though, so maybe I can take that back and drop an f bomb. Still got time. Fucking Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. I didn't no, I mean to use I'm that. <laughs> um, and then watch out on. I'm not going to mention the other streaming service. Another big computer maker slash content <laughs> provider. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a show next year coming out called Wool, which was a really exciting sci-fi. And uh, a Brie Larson show we've just worked on called Lessons in Chemistry. Fantastic. Linton, where can we find you online and tell us about your stuff? Yeah, so Classical Fix is the podcast. You can get that on BBC Sounds or on Apple Podcasts. Um, check it out. There's loads of episodes there. Uh, in fact, we've just reached episode 100 this week. Fantastic. With the amazing Kalechi, who's on Black History Month playlist. So check that one out. Um, and then I've got, uh, you can get my Twitter, which is just at Linda Stevens. And the other thing I should tell you about is my illustration uh instagram so if you want to check that out at insta underscore sketcher i'm i'm a few i'm a huge fan of your illustrations and i do if i have the power to make any disney film um you'll be the head um designer 100 <laughs> I'm, I'm not even joking <laughs> thanks Tom. um 
Well, thank you very much, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk about Lou with you guys. Thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixWatcherPod on Twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K, Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production.